Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Mostly what you hear on this show and in New Orleans media in general, of course, is how great the city is doing post-Katrina. There are all kinds of statistics that demonstrate all kinds of achievements from an unprecedented rate of entrepreneurship to even more restaurants than we had before the hurricane. But the mostly unspoken fact is, if you get down to the Ninth Ward, there's very little recovery going on, other than a few hardy pioneers who have come back and the Brad Pitt-inspired make-it-right houses. Most of the Ninth Ward is, frankly, weeds. Streets that used to run through blocks of houses now run through blocks of wild vegetation. For the most part, you can't even tell there were actually any houses there. It costs the same to build a new house in the abandoned Ninth Ward as it would to build it uptown, mid-city, or anywhere else. So without some kind of enormous incentive in the form of a government program and New Orleans getting so popular and expensive there's nowhere else to build, it's hard to imagine development as we traditionally think of it happening in the Ninth Ward. Now one of the things we could do is turn the Ninth Ward into farms and orchards. It would be a forward-looking use of the land and it would encourage farmers and fruit growers to build and live there. Now how feasible is this idea? That's the question I'm asking my three guests today. Becca Margolis, Marianne Cuffone, and James Mazzuto. They're not politicians or urban planners. Let me tell you who they are. Becca Margolis is a pioneer. She's already farming in the Ninth Ward. Becca's company, Okra Foods, has bought land, prepared it, and planted crops. Becca, welcomed out to lunch. Thank you. Marianne Cuffone is an environmental lawyer and a professional chef a Globals Fisheries expert and founder and director of Recirculating Farms Coalition and Growing Local NOLA, a group of farmers and fresh food advocates devoted to building local and sustainable farms for healthy food. Marianne, welcome out to lunch. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. James Mazzuto is director of Make It Right Solar, a division of Brad Pitt's Make It Right Foundation. Make It Right Solar's mission is to democratize solar power making it affordable to people who can benefit from it but can't afford it. James, welcome out to lunch. Thank you very much, Peter. Becca, you've made a start at farming in the Ninth Ward. I would think one of the problems getting started would be getting the land. There's plenty of it, but legally it's divided into house-sized lots, and each lot is owned by a different person. To get enough land to start your farm, did you track down a number of contiguous owners and buy their lots off them, or, or did you get the land some other way? Uh, yes, this is kind of a great serendipitous story. Um, I have nine continuous vacant lots altogether, which make up one acre. I was able to find four um, through Nora's Growing Green program. Nora is the New Orleans Redevelopment Authority. 
and they have a program where you can lease a vacant lot if you're using it for urban agriculture. So I found four continuous lots from them. I went to go check out these lots on site. When I got there, a neighbor walked out and said, you know, what are you doing here? I said, I really want to build a garden. Looking about these four lots, he was like, oh, really? Because I own those two ones next to it, and my brother owns those two ones. And I was like, really? Well, can I use those for urban gardening? And he's like, yeah. I love gardening. That would make you know make my dreams come true. I I can't use these lots myself, and so neither can my brother. So I would love for you to use them. And then another neighbor came out while we were talking. Same thing. He had the lot next to that, and he was like, I would love for you to garden on it. So it all just kind of came together in this one afternoon, um, and able to get nine all together, which is wow. pretty exciting. And when I was getting ready for the show and talking to some people, we were having a little discussion about the dirt down there. Is it? Is it contaminated dirt or is it the rich alluvial soil we always think of? Yeah, that's definitely the hard part. And that was the scary part when I did my soil test was waiting for them to come back to see if there was contamination. Um, thankfully, there was no contamination on the soil. What are you growing? Um, so right now we have okra, eggplant, black eyed peas, green beans, um, sunflowers. <laughs> wow. um, but we're also transitioning now into our fall planting. So we're going to have all different types of greens, collards, bok choy, spinach, arugula, a lot of sprouts. Uh, we just finished building our greenhouse. We're going to have a lot of sprouts and greens going in there. Um, and then a lot of broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, that kind of stuff. Let's see if we can get that ordered at Commander's Palace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marianne, your specialty is water-based agriculture, recirculating farms are closed loop systems that recycle water and can be constructed and located nearly anywhere on a balcony or rooftop or even in a living room. Can you apply your expertise and your organization uh, growing local NOLA to farming in the Ninth Ward? So we're located in Central City right okay. now. But um, we had looked at some land in the Lower Ninth Ward some time ago and we weren't as successful as you, unfortunately, yeah. Becca, uh, in getting uh, lots that were contiguous, uh, although there are quite a few available there. Um, and so our organization works primarily with water-based growers, that means folks who do hydroponics, so growing plants in nutrient-rich water, uh, aquaculture, raising fish. And then what's the combined name? And the combined name is aquaponics. Ah, right. And so we have systems that raise both plants and fish together, and uh, the fish water is used to fertilize the plants. And the plants, uh, they absorb nutrients in the water that the fish make, and then the water is returned to the fish tanks, cleaned for reuse by the fish. Now, I know this is radio, so it's going to be a little difficult. Can you give me a, a visual of what kind of system it would look like? Well, you should come down to the Central okay, City and check it out. Okay, we can have all of our listeners. Uh, <laughs> it it's a, a very interesting design on systems. They're actually quite flexible and uh, provide a lot of creativity because they can be vertical systems. We have towers. We have walls of plants. We also have um, horizontal beds just like you would in the ground. You might have seen some raised garden beds. Uh, they can actually also be hydroponic or aquaponic. And so we do a combination of all of it. It is um, extremely useful in urban farming because the space might not be as available. And so you can grow um, hundreds of pounds of vegetables and fish in very small places. James, Make It Right was the first organization to try and bring the Ninth Ward back. Your division of Make It Right broadens the scope of the original mission to spread solar power throughout the community. Would you be able to combine the Make It Right goals to be a part of that agricultural revolution in the Ninth Ward? Uh, you know, 
Peter, the Lower Ninth Ward has a great history of urban farming. Most of the, uh, what I've found in speaking to our homeowners is that prior to the storm, a lot of them grew their own vegetables in their backyard, and it's got a great history of that. And, you know, I think that when you say that the Lower Ninth Ward is, you know, unrecognizable, I do take a little bit of issue with that Kay. because, you know, as you come over the Seabur Bridge and you look left, you'll see 109 lead platinum solar-powered houses that we've built. You have thousands of residents have moved back to Lower Ninth Ward since the storm. We have a CVS that's opening up across the street from us. We have a new high school that's going in along with a new fire station. So although I think that, um, you know, certainly urban farming can have a role to play, I don't think that that's the solution. So it could be a part of... It, it absolutely can be a part. Part of, I think, that what we need to talk about is engaging the local community, the folks who've been there longest. The Lower Ninth Ward actually had the highest percentage of home ownership in the city prior to the storm. These were multi-generational blue-collar homeowners. And I, I think it's hard to just sort of abandon that past. And you know, I had a question I was thinking about is, Louisiana's done a pretty good job. We're something like fifth or sixth uh, biggest in uh, solar power uh, by, by, uh, by person, right, uh, per capita? So how does yeah. that work? So New Orleans is the sixth highest per capita solar installs in the country. And we had a very generous state tax credit, which helped jumpstart the industry, just like any other industry, film or, you know, you see a lot of the angel investment tax credits that are coming in or the tech credits. And what we've seen with some of the budget cuts is like everyone else, the solar has taken a cut too. Well, and you, when you mentioned democratizing uh, the benefits of solar, I mean, I think of solar as a situation where you've got some upfront costs and then you've got some tax credits and then you've got a lot lower bills down the road. How does that differ between rich and poor people? Typically, people are, are lower income people are cut out of the solar market. It's not affordable. It's not available because of the high upfront costs. Upfront costs, okay. And um, you've seen new business models blossom in the market for solar leasing or solar power purchase agreements where homeowners are paying a monthly bill to a company that's able to internalize those tax credits and take advantage of them and pay that upfront cost where they're paying a flat fee and they're receiving more energy in value per month. So, and actually Make It Right Solar was the first people in Louisiana to do solar leasing with the Make It Right Foundation actually. Now you two, do you have, are you on the grid, off the grid? So we're totally off the grid. Wow. And we are running on solar. We do have batteries, however, because we don't have an on-the-grid um, tie-in. Okay. We're completely autonomous. Sadly, we are on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to have solar panels eventually. It was just a cost um, issue up front, but I definitely want to install them eventually. Right now, we're just using um, electricity for our fans and in, um, in the greenhouse. You've got these great crops. You're doing very well. Who do you sell them to? Um, yeah, so we actually are just starting to sell right now. Um, we just started developing the garden over the summer, so our fall planting is really going to be our biggest harvest. Um, and starting out by selling to farmers markets and a few restaurants. And long term, my goal will be to develop our own market and cafe where we use our produce and produce from other um, local farmers. So that's sort of my long term goal for our farm. But right now, just trying to get it up and running, make sure. Our, our produce is um, is going strong. Yeah, we what is that like? You knock on the door of a restaurant and you tell them. Um, it is kind of like that a little bit. <laughs> you go in an off hours, when usually like, you know, at 11 or like 4, depending. Um, so you're not really catching the chef in the middle of a rush. 
and a lot of times it's good to bring a sample with you. So it's not something for them to try or see. And then talk to them and see if they want that or if they want something in particular that they need for their menu. Um, and you sort of just work with them like that. It's uh, pretty off the cuff system actually um, but chefs love it they really do and they love to be able to support the local economy and they they like that what do they you've got to prove to them you can get enough product at the that's the hard part is continually bringing them the same product every week because they need the same amount every week for their menu and that's a really difficult part for being a farm which is why I eventually want to have my own marketing cafe so we can just have a rotating menu that's based off of whatever is fresh and growing on our farm and that way we don't have to be set on such a structure. And Marion, what about yourself? Where, where does all this good stuff go? Well, so it's interesting that Becca mentioned that the chefs are into it. I think um, New Orleans is such a unique city. I've only really seen it a few other places that the chefs are very excited to have locally grown food and they don't mind that it's a small urban farm. Uh, they'll put stuff on special and they'll use whatever they can get from you. And so that's really exciting for, for growers here. Um, we're a nonprofit, and so uh, the purpose of our garden was not just food, but also training and education and outreach. And so uh, the food that we grow, we do give it away occasionally. Uh, we sell it at a lower price to the community. And, and we do grow some higher end things that we sell to the restaurants to help keep ourselves in business. Um, but we also offer training classes and cooking classes and free exercise classes. We're sort of a community garden as well as a, a production farm. And so we offer a number of things. And just to clarify, Becca, you are a for-profit? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is, um, yeah. You could become a land baron. Yes, <laughs> I can't even imagine what happens here. <laughs> now, James, uh, Marianne, Becca, let's do a round of one quick question. And that's, uh, we're going to take a question that's come in from a listener and ask you uh, one each. Are you ready for this? Now, James, I'll start with you. This question came in on Twitter from Louisiana Dry Ice. Based on Make It Right's firsthand experience of relationships with residents in the Ninth Ward, if there were to be farms there, would you think the displaced residents could retain a stake of the businesses? That's a that's a gr- great question, actually. And we know so you're not a politician <laughs> or an urban. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not. But we've actually seen um, a lot of buy-in from the community. We actually have two uh, lots that we've turned into community gardens, where the neighborhood we provided some of the lumber and stuff like that, got some volunteers to build them, and the neighborhood takes care of them and maintains them. And what and about ownership of the land? That would be... The ownership of the land, uh, right now, Make It Right has okay. the ownership of the land. But as, uh, you know, what we really need in the neighborhood is a neighborhood association or something that you can give the land to, to, you know, there are insurance reasons and there's right. maintenance reasons and stuff like that. So I think that there's a possibility for something like that, but I think that that's still being figured out, as it is in other parts of the city. Sure. Certainly throughout Central City, you've got a lot of one lot sort of gardens. You know, actually my wife and I drove past one the other day and we're like, that's beautiful. But <laughs> you know, who knows who owns it at this point. So right now Make It Right owns the land that it's under, but we're- But ideally having the residents own things. Is absolutely, yeah. having the residents own things. And that's part of building a community is that ownership and that taking the sort of possession and championship of projects like that. As somebody once said to me about ownership, it's, uh, it's very important because in the history of the world, no one has ever washed a rented car. 
So that's how they are. We'll take that into Now, Marianne, Catherine Davis wrote to us on Facebook. She has questions about demand. Catherine asks, do you think existing local farming families like the Becknells and the Lyuses could provide insight as to how to develop a consistent demand for local fresh produce? I think there's a huge demand okay. <laughs> for local fresh produce. Uh, I've had conversations with various chefs here and New York and other places that tell me they can't get enough, uh, even for their own restaurants. So I feel like we definitely have the demand. It's a matter of getting more folks into growing. For a while, the family farmer was disappearing and today I feel like things are changing. I mean, Becca, you're a perfect example yeah. of that and folks that I work with, I think it's amazing. You know, farming's interesting and sexy again and, uh, <laughs> and, and I do feel like in, in some instances the, the water-based growing has contributed to that because it's technology and innovation and creativity but the same thing with soil-based growing. You can have raised garden beds and you can have community gardens and engage the community in, in creating their own source of food. And so, uh, you know, I, I see it all over and definitely increasing that we've got the demand, but we definitely need more farmers. And Marion, you mentioned uh, selling to the restaurants and Becca, you mentioned the restaurants and farmers markets. Um, are supermarkets off the table or could they be a market? They're not totally. Rouse's does a really good job of um, showcasing local food. The thing generally with um, larger corporate type stores is the standards are very high and um, and smaller growers aren't going to have the funds generally to go through some of the hoops that are legally required um, for certain more corporate places and so it, it sometimes it's just easier to sell direct to a restaurant and certainly direct to the community. And Becca I might be giving you the hardest one here but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. came in from uh, Joel Skilly in Holy Cross on Facebook. Joel says why I have nothing against orchards and farms it seems like an odd idea to try to make farms out of a neighborhood that is only three miles from the French Quarter especially as housing is becoming more scarce citywide. My question is why is the city doing so little to reintegrate the Ninth Ward through infrastructure investments? For instance, why shouldn't the new Rampart streetcar run all the way to Jackson Barracks? Uh, Becca, obviously you can't speak on behalf of the city, but uh, <laughs> as a, a Ninth Ward farmer, what's your feeling on what the city's next move should be in regard to that, that part of the city? Um, well, yeah, it is kind of weird at first because you think, um, why would we put farms and orchards in this area when we're running out of housing? Um, but the issue is that right now the Ninth Ward has um, very little services. There's not that many grocery stores or, um, you know, well, I guess they're getting a CVS now, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but They so sell Slim Jims. They yeah. actually have food. I, I know that even it was hard to get people to move into the Make It Right um, neighborhood because there weren't that many services over there and people felt like it was far away from the center of the city. Um, so a lot of people just don't really want to live there. And I know that, you know, there's that land out there is so incredibly cheap, but developers aren't developing it because there's no money to be made. Like, you know, you have to build a house and know that you're going to make X and on rent in order to pay off your bill um, for your loan, but you can't get that amount of rent because no one wants to live there. So I think the only way that that's going to change is, yeah, having some type of city, inter city intervention um, to add services or increase transportation, that kind of thing. But in my opinion, 
the city changes are going to take a long time. So until that happens, I think farms and orchards would be a great use of land and get our city at least semi-sustainable with our food source. Becca Margolis, Marianne Cafone, James Mazzuto, we talk about businesses that are breaking new ground and we talk about breaking ground in the literal sense, digging in the dirt. We don't often get a chance to talk about both senses of groundbreaking at the same time. It has been fascinating learning what you are all up to. Uh, we and the rest of New Orleans look forward to keeping up with you and seeing where the New Orleans urban agricultural revolution goes. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join Man Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Becca Margolis, founder of Okra Foods, Marianne Cafone, executive director of Recirculating Farms, and growing local NOLA, and James Mazzuto, director of Make It Right Solar. You can find out more about Becca's, Marianne's, and James's work with sun, water, and dirt by following the links on our websites, wwno.org and itsneworleans.com. The show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The well-grounded Jennifer Brady is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Uh, Mitch's new record, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. Uh, these photos were taken by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for a hundred in 28 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments.